Hey, Sven, how are you doing? Hey, D- hey, Dave, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. Uh, we continue to um, struggle a little bit with the um, the podcast streaming setup. Um, there was a uh, there was a slight uh, little delay on one of our sides then, and we couldn't hear each other for three seconds. But we are now live and going. Um, and I think we should start with this uh, episode with a little bit of a recap on the podcast stuff that we talked about last week. Obviously, last week was our first um, attempt at a YouTube live stream and also our first attempt at an actual podcast. Um, And I think, generally, um, things went quite well. Um, The YouTube stream got uh, more attention than I thought it would, and um, I actually haven't looked at how many downloads we got on the podcast, but um, the podcast feed went live on... I think Monday or Tuesday uh, of uh, the week after we we broadcast because it took a little time to just kind of sort out the software and stuff for that. But um, um, yeah, it's it's all up and running. You should be able to subscribe to the podcast in any podcast player um, just by searching for Swift Package Indexing. Um, and I certainly checked it on a couple and found it on everywhere that I checked. Yeah, it's there, and it was great to see. So so lovely to see um see the podcast pop up, really nice. Can you hear me okay now? I I feel like One you thing, um, a delay with... or something. Yes, there is a delay. Um, I, I, oh dear! When I stop okay. talking, it's a while until you start talking. <laughs> okay, we um, um, but sure we shall persevere. Start, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, which will persevere. So um, anyway, so to, to start talking about the uh, news from the Swift Package Index, um, actually, that's where I'm going to start because one of the tasks that I had on my plate was to um, sort out the podcast in putting this podcast into the actual site to promote it and make sure that people could find it because we used to do that for the Twitter spaces. Um, and what that has ended up in for me is uh, is, a, is an entire... Um, um, rabbit hole about uh logos and branding of the package index and all the rest of it um so a little bit of history the logo that i um created for the swift package index was made in about 20 minutes and um uh, i think it's done as fine so far um but it is certainly not a particularly great logo um the overlapping squares were supposed to be like packages and then obviously the Swift logo in the middle of them uh, because it is the Swift package in there. So like it was fine and it was definitely enough to get us launched. Um, and it in fact has been fine for the last uh, two years uh, of, of uh, progress, but it's never been, it's always been something that I've wanted to have a, another crack at basically. And my idea initially even before we launched the package index was to have the Swift bird on the side of a box, like a package, right? Um, And so I did a bit of an experimentation with creating something like that this week. Um, And it's been, it's been okay. I'm not super happy with the results. Um, uh, And there are definitely some, some issues and we're not, we're not quite there yet. Um, But um, uh, there is a post on the, package index discussion forum which is if you go to the package index um github site and then go to discussions i think it's the top discussion there you can see the um uh the um the 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 mock-ups or the kind of 
pre preliminary versions that I've started to uh, work on there. They look fine, but they look a little bit dull when you actually put it into the site. So I have a pull request. Uh, it's actually not in pull request yet, but I have a, a branch on my machine where the logo is in the site and it all looks a little bit dull. Um, the other problem is we use these logos at lots of different sizes and um, the um, the current logo we have actually three different versions we have a large version a medium version and a small version and they all have a slightly different size swiftbird and they all have different numbers of boxes in the background um and they get used for in various different places like the main site or the documentation site or you know the little um shields.io badges um those shields.io badges use the tiny size um and getting a logo that also looks good at all three of those sizes is a is is a challenge. So I, I'm not sure where it's going yet, but it's been um it's been interesting. I certainly think that going on to to put a logo up for the podcast can use one of these because that is is a little easier. It's also not front and center on the actual site. Um and so I think I think what I might do is go down that route first, get that done. Because also the podcast logo shouldn't be the exact same as the site logo, so I think I think that's where I'm that's where I'm going to go. Right, yeah. It, I mean, it still would be nice if they were recognizably related, right? You know, you you look at it, you 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 know, draw a line from one to the other. That would be nice. And also, what I really liked, and I I think I mentioned this in my reply, is that it looks a bit like a badge, um, which makes it unique. Um, because the the other thing is swift package i mean pretty much everyone if you know someone had to draw up an icon for that would want to put a bird in a box right so i think that's very hard to get um yes. something unique out of that um and i think that's what you meant when you said um it, it what did you say earlier it, it looks a bit um bland or something in in i think you were referring to the new version in on the page or something and i i wonder how much yeah, um, so the, we'd the, lose the uniqueness person. there well, I think the problem with it is that the new version is um, is uh, one color, uh, whereas the old version had some brightness to the edges of the boxes, and and yeah. I, and I I didn't think that would be as much of an issue as it turned out to be when I actually stuck it in the site. Um, this is why I'm not a designer, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, we should. Um, well, maybe there's someone who, who wants to chip in. I mean that's an open issue. Maybe there's um, there's someone with um, with more design skills who who has ideas. That would be amazing. Yeah. All I mean that discussion thread is already open. Uh, please do feel free to comment on it. Um, all ideas are welcome. Great. Do I need to say over by the way when I'm done with the delay, or are we are we in better <laughs> better place there now? There's definitely quite a significant. There is a significant delay on this audio. Uh, I have a feeling that we should—we we are already owing people an apology who are listening back to the podcast. Yeah, I think we need to um, probably need to work on that <laughs> prior to the next episode, and that might involve me traveling to a place where there's uh, good internet. <laughs> uh, um, well, okay, maybe. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think it's my internet. I don't think so. 
No, it's definitely mine. I know because I was in a different place last week when we tried this new setup the first time and the internet was good there. And um, I didn't think it'd be that bad here because it worked in the past, but um, this is clearly uh, not uh, not better. Um, so in, in terms of news, the other thing maybe to talk about briefly is that we're preparing some facility to preview upcoming DOCC features. Um, and, and we're going to do that on our staging environment. Um, uh, for those who aren't following um, the Swift forums, there's been a quick navigation navigation pitch up by Sofia Rodriguez. Um, she's implemented something that is people would know who use um, you know Launchbar or, or other apps that have like quick command um, pop-ups. Um, so she's added something to the Docs um, viewer where you can hit a key command. I think it's just slash or command shift open. Command Shift O, um, that brings up a little uh, hover, you know, a little entry box where you can put in a symbol name, and it'll it'll do fuzzy matching, it'll do a symbol ranking, and then you can quickly navigate um, a package's documentation. Um, now, this is something that has landed in the 5.8 branch, so in the trunk of the Swift um, um, compiler, or actually, yeah, it's the compiler where where that's being shipped. Um, so that's not available anywhere within Xcode um, unless you load in the nightly um, toolchain. Um, but what we are going to do is in order for people to try out how that works, is going to build package documentation with the preview toolchain on our staging environment so that we can, you know, we and the community can test this feature. Um, there's also already a package up where people can test this. Um, that's something that Sophia is hosting on her GitHub page, and we'll just add a, a link to the to the show notes where you can have a look. Um, I think we'll have this by the next by the next time we record, so we should have a preview of this um, up fairly soon, so people can have a look. Um, we won't be doing this for all packages on staging because you know we obviously also need to build them, and doing our whole build system twice for both production and staging is a bit heavy on our poor little boxes. Um, but we'll pick a set of packages and we probably, Dave, we haven't discussed this yet, how to do this. I imagine that'll be like a small, you know, sort of like a small package list where we, where we list like maybe a dozen or a couple dozen packages that we would build on, on staging. And maybe we can source this, um, you know, via an issue or something to, to figure out what packages to, to onboard via this, this mechanism. Don't know if you have thoughts. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great idea, and I must admit, I'm really uh, excited about this feature. I think one of the primary things that we've heard is is in you know in in hosting this documentation, we've heard from people about Doxy documentation. We've heard quite a lot of feedback, and the primary thing is search, um, and yeah. so it's a it's a great um, uh, a great step forward um, from Sophia. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to both testing it out on the staging site and also getting it into production when 5.8 comes around. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I've started using our hosted docs quite a bit when working on stuff, and I'm I'm just excited every time I see a package that has the link up, or a couple of times I even yeah I saw people had documentation but didn't actually host it yet. Um, and I submitted a little, because it's, you know, it's so easy to do, you just submit a little SPI YAML file to the project. And if people are interested to, to just merge it, then 
documentation is there or it's always in the same place. I just love using it myself. And I, I think that's that's really going to be a great feature to to have an easier time, you know, looking up symbols and stuff. So yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to that one. One thing it doesn't do is make so one request that we've had is for documentation to be included in package search. Um and certainly the idea of full text package sorry, full full text documentation search in the package index is not something that I'm particularly um thinking that we should tackle straight away. But one thing which we have discussed around um bringing in so when you generate documentation you can pass a file called init digest and what that does is it outputs a um all of the method names type names all of the symbol names basically from the uh documentation which is effectively everything in the package because i think i believe even undocumented ones get uh emitted in that um in that output and we could for a couple of different reasons use that data on the server so if at some point we added the mechanism to grab that digest out of the process of generating the documentation and uploading that back to the package index server then we could potentially include package search results by method and symbol in uh, in our search results but i'm not sure I would want to go the extra step and start doing full text of, of documentation search. Although maybe we will one day, you know, who knows? This is a this is a this is a, a, a project which has, in my opinion, a bright future ahead of it. There's lots of work to do, and who knows whether we will one day uh, do full text search within package documentation. Could we could do? Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be an interesting feature. I I do wonder how much. Um, we could even just let search engines lift that you know do do a lot of that um depending on what people are searching for i'm i'm unsure what the what the need would be to do a cross site search right because normally i would search for stuff in packages that i'm using so i would pretty much know where where to start looking um i wonder how well, i think what the I use case is to yeah but I, I think the use case is so so let's say you're looking for a package to do um networking right and i, I know i always pick that example because uh, because i don't know it's just the, the one that first comes into my head every time i think of it but let's because say alarm of fire isn't package. enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um but let's, let's consider you're, you're you're looking for some kind of network package if if the package is badly named <laughs> um then some of the symbols inside it may throw up results that would still be relevant um, and might get you packages that you might not otherwise have found from purely the package name and package description. Hmm. Networking yeah. is a truly bad example there because um, because if you're <laughs> writing a networking package and you don't put the word networking in your package description, you're doing it wrong. Uh, but but there, I'm sure there are situations that would be that would be my my use case for including symbols in search results. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, News-wise, do we have anything else? I I had this. Um, no, I think. Well, the only thing would be a, a very slight follow-up on the we, we mentioned uh, last 
time that uh, we were having some stability issues with one of the um, Mac uh, build machines. And um, just to say that the good news is that um, that is fixed. Um, it was actually a, it seemed maybe like it was a location problem within our hosting provider. So we eventually had them physically move that Mac mini machine into a different rack. And that was it. It all started working again. And not only did the stability problems uh, get get fixed, there was an issue with um, not being able to log in and out of Ventura users. It would hang whenever you logged out of a Ventura user. That was also fixed by moving it physically into a different rack. So it must have been having real problems with where it was living. The interesting bit is that that machine has been stable as anything right up until the point that we put Ventura on it. And so it didn't feel like a hardware problem for all the time that we were trying to figure out what the actual issue with it was, but it must have just been a coincidence. <laughs> uh, so I'm very happy to, um, to to have that back up and running. Yeah, it's, it's great to have that stability back. I guess the machine, just like me, having network trouble in different locations, it, it just needed to move a bit. <laughs> exactly. Although for me, it's the other way around. It got uh, worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, so I do have a feeling, though, that there is still a rogue package, and it's not something I've looked into this week because that machine is rebooting itself quite regularly. And I have a feeling that a package during the build system is... Um, is causing a a reboot, and I think I know which package it is, but I haven't I haven't spent the time to to to, to narrow that down yet because it's actually not, that's actually not causing any major problems because it is catching up with all the processing. But I have a feeling there's something still uh, a little bit uh, a little bit of a problem there, but nothing urgent. Right, a rogue package. Not willing to name it yet on air. <laughs> Not willing to name it yet. No, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to throw throw the uh, throw the accusation at anyone just yet until I've looked at it a little further. <laughs> All right. Shall we um, look at some packages? Or we don't have a quiz this week, do we? I, I don't. I haven't prepared anything. I haven't I, thought of any anything to quiz. I on. also don't have a quiz. Um, I, no, I have no quiz this week. Um, so yes, we should look at some packages and let me switch over the uh window here by the way for people looking at the stream it says episode 14 it is 15 actually so don't be confused you're looking at the right stream. I, it does. I, <laughs> I can fix that live um Look at i that. can fix that uh, <laughs> i should be able to fix that oh there we go there we go i can fix that live there we go all right. Excellent. Um, so I'll start first with uh, with with this package. Um, uh, it's called Atlantis, and um, it had a, a release uh, recently. Um, and it's actually from uh, Proxyman, who, um, if you haven't used Proxyman, it's a fantastic tool for um, uh, inspecting network traffic between your application and whatever server you are sending and receiving traffic from. And of course, because it's um, it's uh, installed locally in your application, it doesn't need you to have to sort out HTTP proxies, doesn't need trust certificates, it doesn't need anything like that. And what it allows you to do is just install this package into your application, run the Proxyman 
um, app and you'll get very detailed, um, really good quality. I've been having this proxy man for a while now and it is a um, fantastic app for inspecting um, network requests. Um, uh, so I think I think the fact that I, I'm actually not sure what the release was, this, let's see what the release notes say. It is. It was a bug fix release, but it did pop it to the front of my uh, of my mind um, because I would definitely recommend both this package and this tool. Right, uh, but this this does, as usual, involve uh, you installing a like an intermediate um, certificate and stuff to to do the SSL. No, it doesn't. No, so oh, okay. The 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 package is in. So if you you can use Proxyman without a package and then you have to set up the intermediate certificate so that it can inspect all the traffic that way but if you would prefer not to install that certificate which i i certainly do um you can instead install this package not have to do any of that stuff and just use this package to report the data directly to proxima Right, so it, it does that before, as as part of the app's um, networking stack, it, it routes the data out to the, to the viewer in parallel, exactly. effectively. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah. that's really nice. Yeah. So yeah, that's like th- th- there's nothing wrong with installing the root certificates and you know doing a proxy or whatever. It, you know, Charles proxy is the one that was yeah. w- w- was top of the heap for a long time, um, and there's no problem with doing any of that stuff. Um, but certainly, I think. This is a nicer way um, to not have to worry about any of those things. Well, I mean, I suppose it's just easier if you have a, uh, I believe a new device. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, the delay kicking. In. It's just easier if you have a device where you just want to quickly test something. You can just you know, just go off do your thing without having to go through you know the the thing of setting it up and maybe you know you want to actually also remove it again afterwards. And that just sounds like it's easier yes. to get started. I should mention that Proxyman is a um, a paid application, um, and although actually I've just been to the website and there is a Black Friday sale, so maybe if uh, if you haven't got it, then that's maybe an opportunity. All right, so I don't have your packages uh, up here today, so let me let me um, when, whenever you say your package, your first package, I will type it into the search box and we'll see if I can find it. Oh, excellent. We we demo the search as well. So my first package is, is uh, Swift tagged, Swift dash tagged, um, and it's. I'm sorry to say again. Well, I'm not sorry. It's it's <laughs> it's Point Freeco. It's uh, a team that I um, mention quite frequently when it comes to packages. They had a new release of this package which I hadn't mentioned before. Um, did you find it? There you go. Swift tagged. I did. Yeah, there was a screen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a um, there's a new release, um, and it's just a very useful package. Um, and the the point of the package is um, to give you safe variants of of plain types like string, int, UUID, any type. Um, and the use case is, for instance, if you have a uh, an object or you know a struct um, that has an int like an identifier. And you pass that around, and when you pass it around, it's just an int. You, you don't really know whether it's an identifier for that particular type, and it's just any int. So any int could be plugged in. What tagged allows you to do is attach um, another type to that type. So say it's it's a user ID, you can t- attach your user struct type to that int, and they're sort of packaged together. And then you can't accidentally just 
put any any random int into a user ID int. It always has to come with that with that strict type, um, which is really nice. You know, you can't accidentally call an API with the wrong ID type. Um, it sort of gives you the ability to namespace any type with an additional um, type information. Um, and an example where we actually use this is in our nightly job where we um, compute, we look at package URLs and, and um, check if packages have new dependencies. Um, and we have two types of URLs in, in there. One is the package URL and the other is the URL to a manifest, which is your package Swift file. And when I wrote this, I always got confused which URL it was actually I was dealing with. You know, I, I sometimes ended up accidentally looking at the package when I wanted the manifest. But by tagging it, you could, you know, the compiler would just tell you which which it is. You know, you couldn't accidentally plug a package URL into a manifest URL parameter, and it's super useful for stuff like that. And other than that, you really work with it like like with the underlying type. It's um, if the type is um, equatable, it's equatable. If it's comparable. It retains that it's codable. It it adds has all these conformances um, around, so it's it's very easy to use. Um, and the README has more examples on, on how you how you could use this. Um, there's so-called phantom types which you can use to to give you additional namespaces if you if you run out. And there's other little tricks how you can use it. It's it's a great great package. Highly recommended if you have needs for that sort of thing. So I haven't. Um... Yeah, I haven't um, used this or even seen it before, um, but as I understand it from a very quick browse of the README and from what you just said, it's effectively you can just tie these two pieces of information together. So if you have yes. a user, so the, one of the examples in the um, in the README is if you have a user type and that user could be identified either by, for example, an int if it was a database ID or a string by the email address, you can kind of tie all those things together and say, here is just a user tagged by this integer or a user tagged by the string, and it will always it will always know what the underlying type is. Is that a fair representation? I, I tweak it and say it's not the it's the string and the ID tagged by the by the type, not not the other way around. Identifier is just an example of how you would right, use okay. it. But the but the point is that you can you can have two different types of int, um, which you normally couldn't, right? If you have an int and if you use, for example, you, you could think, well, I can just use a type alias. But the type alias doesn't actually give you a new type because if you if you type alias, for example, string to to foo, you can still plug a string into any place where a foo is being used. The, the compiler wouldn't stop you. But if you tag a string as a foo, you know, tagged foo comma string, you can't just plug a string in that. It always has to be a a a foo tagged string that you plug in. So that's that's the advantage of over type aliasing um, these basic types. Interesting. Um, I think this is a case where okay. reading the README and maybe playing around with it in a um, in a playground is is really helpful. And the README is great because they go through the motivation and give examples. Um, but you know, I think if if you've been in the situation where you had a type and you wished you could tell them apart somehow, or have the compiler help you tell them apart, you know immediately why this is useful, and um, it, it'll be of great use in that case. There we go. So um, there you go. Swift tag by point three. 
over. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my next one is is not one that I have any experience with at all, but it definitely um, it had a version four release uh, three days ago. Um, and it definitely caught my uh, attention. Um, so I'm not sure what the version 4 actually has because there are no <laughs> release notes for this at all, but surely a version 4 of anything must be newsworthy, right? Um, <laughs> definitely. It's called Satin, uh, and it's by it's by Hi-Res Inc., um, and it is a 3D graphics framework built on Apple's Metal framework. Um, and um, I know very little about 3d graphics um but uh but certainly it if i were looking for a metal based um uh, 3d engine i would i would want to at least give this one a try um lots of uh nice images in the readme that have been generated with the engine um and while i'm not quite sure from the readme it doesn't it doesn't give me an enormous amount of information about how far this engine goes. I, I, my gut feeling is that it's fairly low level still, although it might be a nice step on top of metal um, because metal is certainly very uh, low level. Um, but certainly it, uh, it, it struck me as something um, worth checking out if you have any interest in 3D graphics and metal. Great. Yeah, I'd seen that, but I always hesitate because I haven't <laughs> Just absolutely no experience with metal or any any yeah. 3D graphics frameworks. I I did some. I played around a bit with SpriteKit, which is not not the same thing at all. But um, yeah, it looked really interesting. Of the name. Yeah, I've I've done a couple of bits with SpriteKit, um, and uh, I've also had a little play with the Unreal Engine, which is a hugely um, capable uh, 3D engine, which is which is not low level at all. I mean, you can you can get into the low level bits of it, but generally, both Unreal and uh, what's the other one, Unity, um, are quite high level. So they come with modeling tools and they come with all sorts of stuff like super high level. Um, and um, it's definitely not at that level. I would put it more towards the 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 low level side of things than the than the high level side of things. Um, uh, the only other experience of of three D uh, has actually been this week, which we you may you may not know this, but the logo that we talked about earlier, which I uh, designed uh, this week, or the new potential logo, uh, was built in Blender, which is a three D tool, not a three D engine. Um, but uh, so three D has been on my mind this week, which is maybe why I uh, this caught my eye, and I thought, well. I'll, Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I did. I did notice that the the logo has a nice your your logo preview has a nice um three D. It's three D ish, so that that makes sense that it's. It that is, and um, you blended. know, do you know the reason I use um uh, do you know the reason I use Blender to make that logo is because um even just for the. The, the the single color not you know no shading no rendering no nothing like that i just wanted something else to get the angles of all the lines right <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> so that was why i uh, that's why i started with uh, with doing it in blender uh, anyway so that's the that's my second uh, package how about your uh, your second one Sven? My second one is called Launch at, L- at Login Modern. 
So it's Dash Modern. And it's by Cinder Sorhus. Um, did you find it? Um, launch out login. I am failing to find it. Oh, launch login, there we go. Yeah, so this this is actually the wrong one. I I also want to mention this briefly. If you click on the author name and and go through to the overview, uh, there should be launch at login dash modern. Second page that package. Oh, there it is. No, it's got the same. It's got the same. Yeah, it's the same. That's interesting. So it's got the same package name. But a different repository name, which is why I missed it. Oh, I didn't see that. Okay, interesting. Um, yes. So the the point of this is uh, there. There have been some changes in uh, macOS Ventura um, with respect to launch at login. There's the new stuff being listed in the um, settings, and I think there's new API. Well, there must be new API. That's that's why the author made this package to deal with it. So this is if you have a macOS app, um, this is an easy way to uh, you know, give you something in settings. There's there's UI. It's a Swift UI view that you can plug into your settings, which gives you a nice toggle and handles everything under the hood. Um, I mean, it really couldn't be any simpler to add a launch at login toggle to your settings screen, um, which seems to be the way to go now. People aren't expected to you know drag the app into settings anymore. That's how I always did it. But um, I, I actually have a a Mac um, app and people. At some point, asked they want a a toggle in their settings, and I thought oh, that's interesting, <laughs> and, and I realized that a lot of apps are actually doing it these these days, um, and that's a very easy way to do it. Um, and if you're on older macOS versions, this is what the other packages for the non-modern one, um, which I guess handles all the API stuff under the hood, but presumably gives you the same um, UI for this. So there you go. Launch at login by Sindra. So the the new yeah the new login system with Ventura. I actually really uh, like it. I think it's um, 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 it's a great step forward to finally be able to have just one place where all of this stuff is listed, and you don't need third party applications to look in all the different places. This is just how this is where it is now. I think that's a great step forward. My only question with this package would be. How does this package manifest this functionality when it's running on? Well, I know the requirements for this package are 13, so I guess you just have to either implement it in the completely different way by using the other package on 12, if you still support it, or you just don't have this feature on 12, right? Yeah, that's what you would have to do. I mean, you are facing the same problem if you don't use any packages, right? You'd have to... Um, I'm not sure if there's a if all APIs if you use them. I think they would still, you know, you could probably just use the old API and the new material, which would show it in um, in the launch items. But I suppose there's something additional. I haven't. I have to admit, I haven't looked into the the details of it um, because my app goes back to I think macOS 10.11, so I'm I'm certainly not not using the new APIs there. Um, but yeah, also mm-hmm. I do I do like the new stuff in in um, Ventura's settings. Although I am a bit confused what the second list of of items is. You know, you have the launch items, which is you know stuff that apps that are, get launched. But there's also a services section 
that has um, toggles where you can yes. switch off and it says apps might do stuff in the background but it's very nebulous and i i this has been commented on there's the the strings to label these items are probably apparently pulled from the developer certificates or something it's it's very hard to map what the entry what oh, app wow. an entry okay. belongs to are, are you looking at it now it's well, um, quite bizarre <laughs> no i'm not looking at it now because i have to i have to browse it up, but um, but i know exactly that screen because i've also been looking at that screen recently and my one feature request was going to be on each of those items in the second list i would love to be able to say hit a button or right click and say revealing finder uh, to yeah. show me what app each of those settings was uh, related to. Uh, I'm probably sure, I'm, well, I'm sure that they will probably address that at some point uh, in a future point release, but uh, certainly that was my biggest uh, request for um, that area of the, the Ventura um, feature. It does seem to be app-specific because I have two services that actually have a little info button that does that. So if you click that, it shows you what the item is but it's, it's just two services out of many that, that actually have it. So it's, it's, maybe it's, that's also API specific. I have, to, uh, I have yeah. to look more carefully. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, so that's... Um, great. Well, I think I'm going to talk about one final package. Um, it's, I'm not going to talk about the package so much, but something that's interesting that's happened around this package in the last couple of weeks. Um, so the package itself, I would recommend. It is called Xcodes, um, and it's uh, by Robots and Pencils. Um, and this is one package of a, of a two-part set. So this Xcodes package is a command line tool um, to download versions of Xcode from Apple. Um, so it can also uh, help you set uh, a default version of Xcode, and it does various other things. But its main purpose is to download and unarchive and um, put into the right place on your system um, a different version of Xcode. So you can, if you have multiple versions of Xcode, it will manage that for you. Um, it does a consistent naming um, um, um schema for for the various different versions it's a xcode hyphen and then the semantic version of the of the version of xcode it's great it's a lovely package and then there is a application a graphical application that's built on top of this also called xcodes um which is an even nicer interface to this uh, to this this uh, underlying command line tool and it will help you manage various different versions of xcode we use it extensively actually on the build machines for the package index because we need lots of different versions of Xcode installed on all the different machines, and so we use that to to help us manage it. Um, the reason I'm talking about it is there have been two updates within quick succession to both of these tools. The first one, um, I was so happy to hear that um, finally it said you no longer need to... Um, log in to your developer account to download different versions of Xcode. Um, that has been um, something that's been in place for a very long time, that if you want to download the direct version of Xcode, not from the App Store, but if you want to download it from the developer site, um, you need to log in with your developer account to grab um, the, uh, the, the, the zip file. Um, and so the first one was great news. Here's, here's this new version that doesn't need you to do that anymore. 
And then a week later, another version that said Apple have changed it back and you now do need to log in again. So <laughs> I was sad to hear that. Uh, I'm sure there's a great reason for it. Um, and uh, uh, so unfortunately, it was, a, it was a very brief celebration of not having to log in every, uh, every time we need a new version of Xcode. It, it was a good week. It's it's a great tool. I, I use it a lot. And as we've discussed, my internet isn't great at times. And this is the most reliable way to actually download Xcode versions for me because, it you know, it retries and all that. You can just let it sit there and, and it's it does its thing. You'll know you'll have it the next morning. Um, it's just great. I, I love it. Yeah. You can even, um, in the if you cancel the download halfway through, and then the next day, come back and try and download the same version. It will resume from where you left off, and it's great. Uh, yeah, no yeah. Hesitation and... Recommending the tool or the package. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right, shall I do my third one? Do you have a final third one? Yeah, I do indeed. I have a package called Wolf Lorem by Wolf McNally. Um, and the name might give it away. It's a package for placeholder data. Um, I'll, I'll let you. Did you find it? There you go. There you go. Wolf Lorem. So I what this does? Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's very easy to explain. Often, when you develop an app or a service, you need a placeholder data. You know, you might need names, you might need texts, and everyone knows the Lorem Ipsum text that that gets pasted into um, design mock-ups but this is more than just text i mean it has text it has you know words you can give a word count that you need you can just get uh, paragraphs um but you can also get um names first names last names um titles phone numbers emails it's just a lot of stuff the only thing the package probably would benefit from would, would be a list of of things that actually has it. It doesn't have a documentation in its readme, but this is where we can help as a package index because there's um, this is a package you can just click on try in a playground and and download and then if you type lorem dot, you get a pop up with all the um, types it supports and it's it's self self explanatory, all the things that it it does have. Um, so yeah, there you go. If you need names, adjectives, anything. It's like, this is really extensive. Um, look at that package and, and see um, see what it's got. That's great. And that's Wolf Lauren by Wolf McNally. I, uh, I'm not sure I have much to add to that because it is a fairly straightforward package, but I can definitely <laughs> see the use of it. Yep, there you go. There might be a number. So a I think we should ones, uh, wrap it up there. We'll I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Well, well so actually, what I was what I was just about to say was, please, please do better with us. I know today's recording has not been the smoothest uh, piece of audio you were listening to this week. Um, we are still kind of getting this under control and getting this into something that we can actually do with some some level. We're not we're not looking to be a hugely slickly produced podcast. You know, there's no, uh, there's no question that we're we're definitely not working for um, uh, what's the uh, radio station in the states that does all the podcasts? Um, NPR. Uh, what's it? NPR. That's right. <laughs> we're definitely not trying to be NPR. 
as I disproved in the last 30 seconds. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but we are trying to, uh, we, we are getting better and we will continue to get better at it. We will hopefully sort out the um, network connection issue so there's no lag between uh, Sven and myself. Um, and, uh, and yeah, bear with us is all I'd say. What I do have some good news on, though, is that we're back on... Last week's episode was a little bit long. We tried to keep these to 45 minutes, and we're back perfectly on 45 minutes. So I suggest we call it a day right there. And I will say that we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks. And um, uh, it's been um, good, to, good to talk packages again. All right. Thank you. See you next time. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.